Well, joy to the world. Be seated. What a wonderful time to be here on Christmas Eve, Eve, and, and to celebrate the coming of Christmas in 2020. It's uh, getting, drawing close to the end of the year, and there's a whole praise that we can give to that. But uh, welcome to Christ Community Church. I don't know about all of you, I love Christmas stories. I love Christmas stories, and, and we, spend, we tend to spend an inordinate amount of time in the Stanfield household uh, on Christmas stories at Christmas time. Now, to be clear, there are Christmas stories, and then there is the Christmas story. And of course, we're here today to talk primarily about the Christmas story. So as we begin to, to look at that today, as we begin to prepare our hearts for the Christmas season, let's open up our Bibles together and look in the book of Luke. Uh, one of the you know, characters, one of the people, the true people, the, the real people who sometimes doesn't get as much attention as she should during the holiday season is the person of Mary. What a, an incredible woman, what an incredible person, and, and we're going to read a little bit about her story here this afternoon and see what we can learn from it. So as we look at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we read these words about the Christmas story. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. A remarkable account. I am sure if any of us had been in Mary's shoes on this moment, we would have been terrified. Terrified not only by the sight of an angel appearing to us, all of a sudden, something we am sure she had never experienced before, just as we have never experienced something like that, but terrified also at the news that this angel brought with him, news that she, a young virgin, was going to have a child, was going to conceive a child. And of course, in that context, for Mary, I am sure that that was, at some level, terrifying news in a culture where she was sure to be ridiculed, where she would be found pregnant, where she would be looked down upon, 
where this would create difficulty for her life. But in response, she says the words, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Christmas time is story time. It is a time of fantasy. It is a time of make-believe. And it's a time of Christmas magic, so to speak. Now, you can attribute most of that magic to all of the different stories we tell during the Christmas season. I mean, I know some of my favorite stories are stories like Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol or uh, Buddy the Elf, you know, the, the, the great classic, modern classic. Or even uh, if you like, if you're not, you know, kind of going back into the old time and, and, and enjoying the Christmas Carol, maybe you enjoy the more modern version of Scrooge. Um, there's also Die Hard if you're, you're into that kind of thing. You know, that's a good Christmas movie. Uh, all kinds of Christmas movies, Christmas stories. Just the last week, my family and I watched The Grinch, which is also another great uh, Christmas story. And of course, there's the big one. You know, the big one that parents tell their children, parents in Texas tell their children this time of the year, the one that, you know, you almost, you can't mention in this category because of the sensitive ears in here. It's the big one that we, we tell our kids, you know, our tell their kids for coming up to Christmas. It's the, it's the one that the Aggies are going to make the college football playoffs this year, you know. It's that one, you know, the, the big fantasy that we all like to live in. But there's Hallmark Christmas specials all season long. There's these stories where each one of them ends up with a, uh, everybody wearing sweatshirts around a fire with a cup of hot chocolate. All kinds of Christmas stories during this time of year. And they're good stories. They're stories that we like to tell, like to hear, like to watch. And yet at the same time, the Christmas season for many is a season of discontent of difficulty. You know what I mean. I had a co-worker who uh, was chatting with me this week, and she was telling me how much she loves those Hallmark movies. But she was telling me that, you know, as she gets to the end of these Hallmark movies, she often thinks about how her life looks nothing like that. Life doesn't always turn out like the Christmas movies or like the movies we see where there's always, in every after the end of every story, there seems to be a happily ever after. It's not always that easy. And I think at this point it becomes really important to distinguish between two different types of fantasy. One is a good kind, and one is not good. And the first type of fantasy, the one that we, we like to hear at the Christmas time, is what I like to call the fantasy as story. Fantasy as story, and it's this, it's the use of fiction to illustrate the reality of good. So we tell stories that are false as fact, but that are true in reality, because they, they point to something deeper, something beyond just the characters in the story, beyond the setting, they point to something that is real beyond just the setting of the story. And so we can think of, in, in this context, a good story like Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, where the character of Ebenezer Scrooge goes throughout the story and he discovers something. He discovers that greed 
is evil, that's terrible, that it's destructive. And he discovers the goodness of love, of charity, of family, and of hope. Or, as I mentioned earlier, we watched The Grinch just this past week. And what a great story about these fictional characters, that green man named The Grinch, whose heart was two sizes too small, and those people who live in Whoville, the Who's, this fictional people. And throughout the course of this story, what does The Grinch come to know? What does he come to understand? He comes to know and he comes to understand that Christmas isn't all about the gifts that you get. It's about the community, about family, about coming together and loving one another. It's beyond just the materialism. It's down to what brings us all together as people. And at the end of the story, the Grinch's heart grows two sizes that evening as he comes to understand the reality beyond just the facts. Fairy tales... One uh, apologist has put it this way, fairy tales like these stories don't teach us things like dragons are real things. They teach us that dragons can be defeated. You see, in a world that's often dark, that's often difficulty, we often need to be reminded sometimes by fictional stories that the difficulty can be overcome, that there is hope of in an evil world what does good look like? And fantasy as story can often fill that need of giving us examples to, uh, that we can draw on in a world where we need examples of how to live in the darkness. And so much of the Christmas story is that good type of fantasy. But there's another type of fantasy that's not good. And I call this Fantasy as delusion. Fantasy as delusion. You see, suppose you find yourself in a particularly difficult situation. It's one thing to draw upon some of the great stories of old to try to figure out, all right, how would this character have responded in this situation? And to pull from those examples, whether they're from true stories or from fictional stories, to understand how we should live in light of those difficult circumstances. It's quite another thing to pretend that the world is different. It's quite another thing to pretend like the facts aren't what they are. And we often are guilty of that kind of fantasy. You know, if you've been coming here to Christ Community Church over the past year, you know we're in the book of Genesis. And one of the beginning stories, perhaps the initial story in the book of Genesis, the first one that involves a man and a woman is a story where they engage in this very kind of fantasy. It's Adam and Eve, where Adam and Eve, when they're confronted by the serpent in the garden, and the serpent tempts them with the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And he puts before them something that on the surface appears to be good, something that they do not yet have. He he, he puts in front of them the fruit. And with the fruit, he puts in front of them the idea that if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. And the 
thing that's preventing Adam and Eve from even taking the fruit and eating it is the true fact, what God had actually said, that the moment you eat of it, you will certainly die. But Satan is able to tempt them with the fruit, with putting it out there, and by telling them something that's not true, by telling them, if you eat of it, you surely will not die. And because they want the fruit, they're willing to believe the lie. And so believing the lie that they won't die if they eat the fruit, they take it and they eat it, and the rest is history. You see, when we want something, or when we think we need something, we will tell ourselves all sorts of lies in order to get it. We'll pretend that the world should be different than it is so that we can live the way that we want. And that is fantasy as delusion. So in about 24 hours, the excitement will start to build. Kids will be at home, and they know that in the morning, all the presents will be wrapped and under the tree, and that they're going to start opening those presents. And there's going to be some excitement in about 24 hours as we approach that moment. And then the next morning, they're going to wake up. And they're all going to rush downstairs, and they're going to, they're going to wake up their parents, and they're going to want everybody to get out in front of the, the Christmas tree because they're going to want to start opening presents as quickly as possible. And there will be all kinds of excitement, all kinds of anticipation, and even once the wrapping paper comes off for, for a moment or two, there's going to be lots of excitement as they realize what they've received for Christmas. But see, it won't be long after that moment, after all that buildup, after all that excitement, it won't be long before somebody else opens a present and somebody sees what somebody else got and all the joy that they were experiencing just a few moments before that what they received is going to disappear as they think, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I receive that? And envy will begin to build in the heart of kids all around the world. And envy kills gratitude. And the, last, the loss of gratitude destroys contentment. Well, I just described what may happen to some of the children in here tomorrow morning, so I hope you're listening to me, kids. But here's the reality. What happens in kids, the problems that we face as children, the problem that I face as children, the problems that your parents face in children are the same problems they face as adults. The consequences just get bigger. And so for parents, after the, the Christmas morning has reached peak perfection, after they've you know, done everything that they can to make sure that they bought for their kids what they think their kids will enjoy after they've made the breakfast that they think everybody is going to enjoy. It'll be five minutes later when somebody will be scrolling through a social media feed and discover that somebody else did it a little bit better or that somebody else got something that they wanted for Christmas. And the same thing will happen in parents and in adults that happens in children. And here's where the danger comes in. Because you see, as adults, as we begin to think, I should have had that, that should have been me. And us, we're more capable 
than children typically of acting out our fantasies to severe consequences. And as we look around the world and we see the problems that are in the world, whether it's in 2020 or the problems that we'll face in 2021, at the base of almost all of them, if not all of them, is the sentiment that if we were God, if we were doing it, we, it would, the world would be a better place. If only the world was way, the way I think it should be, it would be better. And there's a connection here because what's going on in our hearts is something the Bible forbids in the Old Testament. It's the sin of, of um, um, uh, oh my gosh, I lost my words. It's the sin of coveting what your neighbor has. Coveting. And that's the last commandment given in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, and is closely connected to the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Because coveting in your heart and saying, I deserve that, that should be mine, is saying, if I were God, I would have given myself that. And there in coveting, is the root of all other kinds of sin, where we create all kinds of false stories about the world, false identities about ourselves, so that we can live the way we want to live. And there's a whole sermon series on that, but it is an exercise in delusion. And it's against that type of fantasy that the statement of Mary stands so strongly. Mary, the mother of Christ, after receiving this distressing news, doesn't ask, why me? Of all the young girls, why did it have to be me? All the other young girls that I know are, are getting ready for marriage. They don't have this complication. Can somebody else do it? She's just not asking that. This is going to ruin my life? No. She responds first with a legitimate question, how will this be? I'm a virgin. But the reply she receives is good enough for her when the angel replies, God will do it. And then her final response is, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. You see, the opposite of living in a fantasy world, the opposite of making it up as we go along, is to live in the light of the reality that God has given to you. To submit as a servant to His will and to live ultimately by His word. See, the reason why there's so much discontentment in the world today and in our own hearts, is because we tend to live a lot by our own fantasies, the way we think the world should be. There's a lot of fantasy. There's not enough reality. And that's why when we look at the different stories that are out there, the different Christmas stories, we can talk about Christmas stories and the Christmas story. Because the reality is found in God's Word.
And it is that reality that we base our lives on. It is that reality that brings us contentment. Thirty years later, after Mary makes this statement, the statement of humility, her son makes a similar statement as he prepares to go to the cross. In Luke 22, verse 42, he says this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus was obedient. He was obedient. And so he says to his Father, not my will, not my reality, not what I want, but your reality, your will, whatever you would have me do. And that obedience, that humility, led him all the way to the cross. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year and every year, what we're really doing is connecting a thread, a thread that runs all the way from creation, from the very moment of creation itself, from Genesis chapter 1, all the way through today and all the way beyond today into eternity. It is a thread that runs from creation to Jesus' birth, to His life and His death and His resurrection and then to His ultimate return and to our salvation. See, as we address the issue of contentment in our world, the Apostle Paul teaches us this. He reminds us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. You see, we celebrate the first advent because we know that it points towards a second advent when Christ will return and our salvation will be complete. And it's in light of that belief in the gospel that Paul can say what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, where he says this, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is the truth of the gospel that gives us strength to be content in all seasons.